Welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. Well, we're back um, with an episode after the Hall of Fame vote uh, has taken place on January the 25th. And not to anybody's surprise, uh, Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens did not make the Hall of Fame. I see, see, the problem is I wish I was surprised. I wish I was surprised right now and that they were in the Hall of Fame because, I mean, only one person was voted into the Hall of Fame on this, on this. And that was that is Ortiz at 77% of the votes on his first ballot. And I have nothing against David Ortiz as a baseball player. In fact, I think he should be probably in the Hall of Fame. Certainly, it helps that his final season of his career is one of the greatest all-time final seasons, and he actually was a huge part of helping those Red Sox teams not only lift the curse, but win multiple championships, and he was a beloved icon for baseball. So it is in no way surprising that David Ortiz is in the Hall of Fame, but there there is something wrong with the Baseball Hall of Fame, when David Ortiz is a first ballot Hall of Famer and Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame. Now, now to Big Poppy's credit, right, uh, you heard his comments after yeah, he was uh, inducted it's and not- he was very comp- saying, I, I don't feel it doesn't feel right not having those other guys there. Because here's the thing. I would take Barry Bonds career free steroids over getting in over David Ortiz his entire career. Like, it's just, it just feels like more than ever, the Hall of Fame in baseball is, this to me, this is the starkest indication that the Hall of Fame in baseball is not actually about putting in the players that have done the most for the game. It is about putting in the players the baseball writers of America like. Uh, that, that's a hard point to argue, and uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, read Tyler Kepner in the New York Times, and one of the things the Times does, I thought, is really interesting, is they do not let their baseball writers vote for the Hall of Fame. Like, like one, I think it's dumb that it's just left to a committee of the writers because it's this outdated thing of the past where like base, like writing for the baseball team was this like almost myth, myth, like, okay, it was made into this mythologized position because the people that wrote about it were like the other baseball writers. So all the baseball writers, to get a little crudier, got around and circle jerked themselves to act out about this, this, this incredible historic profession. And only they are the arbiters that can decide who should get into the Hall of Fame. Bull, bullshit. Are you going to really tell me that Roger Clay and Barry Bonds don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, and 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 and, I, and and of course never you know that. And and I was listening to Ken Rosenthal did um, from uh, the ceremony when they announced everybody. I shouldn't say he ended up doing three hours, uh, and mm-hmm. I've been listening to the hours where he brought in different folks, and he had Eduardo Perez, son of Tony Perez, yeah, um, uh, on there, and and Eduardo who made the point, and I felt really good that I played exactly at the time that. Bonds and Clemens and these guys plays. These guys are Hall of Famers, 100%. Did I like the fact that they used stuff or they got bigger? I could see it. I know they were different, but they were Hall of Famers before. And even after the fact, I'm not going to take, I want to take my family to the Hall of Fame and show them and talk about these players, about what they did, maybe why they did it. But they're definitely among the greatest players ever, and they have to be there. I'm pretty sure about this, too. Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame, correct? Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame, correct? Right there, 
<laughs> Everybody can just shut up. You're all hypocritical. So we're going to let the man that like, was the commissioner of baseball who turned a blind eye to all of this going on because it helped resurrect baseball in the eyes of the fans. Then turned around, shut the door on those people, acted like they were doing something awful, even though for the most part, it wasn't against any of the rules when they were doing it. And now he's in the Hall of Fame while the rest of them are all kept out, even though he made a bunch of money off of what they were doing. Well, uh, yeah, a, a bunch of money. I'm, I'm not sure well, if I would look at it that owners, way. I mean, he was an owner. Owners, he was an owner. Yeah, that's the thing. The owners made a bunch of money off of what all these players were doing and then turned around and were like, oh, I can't believe they were doing that. Yeah, I actually, of all the people that uh, that that sort of you know denigrate the steroid era, I'd say the owners are among the minority. Well, they don't really hear, so much, hear they much. Allowed guys like Sealing to run around and vilify these players and act like they did something that was so against the pale, even though it was more or less condoned by Major League Baseball for a long time. Well, and, and the beat goes on. Let's face it, you know, and and let's not get off on this tangent. We could probably do a whole episode, which no one would want to listen to, on the commissioners of baseball and how it's a terrible job. You're normally inhabited by terrible people. Right, yeah. Nobody, <laughs> let's put it this way. The only major sport I could think where people really like the commissioner is kind of weirdly basketball because everybody hates Goodell. I don't think I've seen a commissioner <laughs> hated more than Goodell at football. Yeah. And Manfred, nobody likes man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's blood money for it sure. Is, so they thankless, and you know what? I do appreciate that. It is it is a thankless job because yeah. literally everybody is going to hate you when you take that position. Yeah, I'm a lackey for the other owners, and I'm going to do everything because they're the guys that hire me. Yep. But I'm also going to be the guy that constantly gets in their way of making more money because I'm going to have to occasionally be the one that says, no, you can't treat the players like farm labor because <laughs> they totally would if they could. So um, one of the things uh, we, we kicked around last week and it was pretty funny. Somebody wrote that the Giants should bring back Barry Bonds for like a game and then start his Hall of Fame retirement clock all over again. <laughs> Oh, I would totally do that if I was because <laughs> if anything, it would just because see, the thing is that works great for the baseball writers is they don't have to talk about it anymore. Like, it's very easy to kind of sweep that under the rug and they yep. don't have to deal with it anymore. But yep. you put bonds back on the ballot and you have to force them to talk about it even more. It gets harder and harder to be like, really, you're going to really it's like, you know what? It's this idea of purity that just it's so puritanical yes. <laughs> like oh we we're the baseball it's like the, no you know what's pure you know what's even worse papering over the history to ignore the fact that there were these guys that were part of the game yeah 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 so um actually bonds does come up on the ballot again this year but it's not the writer's ballot uh as no. as we've talked about um there are different committees and the today's game committee and there's a, the the hall of fame has uh you know golden era committees they have a few extra committees that yeah. that review players so they they meet in december of this year and, and it's 16 players mostly i think it's almost all players including um greg maddox and ozzy smith I, I couldn't find i couldn't find the names of all it's like they don't want to make public like, the 16 people sense. they probably don't want to make sense because that puts such an unbelievable degree of pressure on all of them because then people can more directly label like like, like uh, appeal to them to try and get them to go with certain things so, I so you so you need 
12 out of 16 or 75%. Again, there's that yeah. number. Okay, so it, it's not that different than the writers where you need the 75%. But now you're going to have all these backroom deals because when you got players that that either played with them or no guys that played with them. Guys like Harold Baines get into the Hall of Fame because the people in the room lobby for him. And and although Larusa will contest this till you know the day he dies, I'm sure you know you end up electing a guy that people scratch their heads because they had a smaller group that they could uh, manipulate, if you will, a little bit. And also, players are notoriously bad at. Players are really, really good at identifying when another player is good, but they're really bad at identifying when like another player is bad. So if there is a player that they right. all generally perceived as being good, they're going to hold on to that way longer than like the baseball writers where like if, if we go back and we look at the stats and we go, wow, that guy really wasn't as good. But the perception of the other players in his era was that he was good. No amount of advanced stats ever going to convince him, convince them that he wasn't that quality of a player. And, and and wouldn't you say there's a little bit of self-interest there? So if you're playing at the time and you look at a guy from your year who was passed over and all of a sudden he's now a Hall of Famer, all those games he played against you, you were playing against the Hall of Famer. You retroactively mean more. And now, and I can also say that, you know what? If I'm a guy that is from that era of baseball, if you're from an era where you're playing with McGuire and Sosa and Bonds and like you're a pitcher, don't you want, all of those guys to get the credits for B because it's like steroids didn't make those guys. It didn't make bonds into a great hitter. Barry Bonds yeah. was a great hitter without steroids. And, and 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 Eduardo Perez also said, he goes, look, I knew other guys that were taking steroids when Bonds was playing. They just weren't very good baseball players. So right. it, no amount of steroids were going to make them into Barry Bonds. And that's what it would, would have Sosa hit maybe 100 or 150 less home runs in his career if he doesn't take steroids, maybe, but that means he still hit 400, 450 to 500 home runs in his career. Like, right, right. He was a home run hitter first before he took steroids. You exactly. couldn't take steroids all of a sudden. I can hit the ball farther than anybody now. Steroids can, the same way, you know, the steroids yeah. might have made it so that Clemens could keep pitching like a freak, you know, almost 20 years into his 20 seasons into his career, but they didn't make him into a great pitcher. A hundred percent, hundred percent agree. So um, I thought we would cover, um, and this this is kind of a fun thing because we're going to go through this, I hope, relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, maybe some of the players are going to be on for the first time when the ballot comes out at the end of this calendar year for the 2023 uh, January announcement of the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame. And and the, the what I didn't know, we, we've already gone through the qualifications for the Hall of Fame, which I won't belabor here, other than the fact that I didn't realize that there were screeners that actually would be ones to review the first-year candidates. Supposedly, then, if you're screening, that would mean that some people who have the necessarily eligibility, right, the 10 years and all that, right. aren't going to be included because they just somehow made we, it through 10 years and don't even deserve a place in the ballot. It, there's not that many guys that make it through 10-plus seasons of a career and have a really shitty war. It's kind what? of unusual in this day you're going to accumulate some more you're going to accumulate some but like generally guys don't make it 10 years plus in the major league without being at least like a decent player like probably the highest preponderance of guys you'll see are like weird lefty one out guys that just like accumulate a bunch of seasons they only have to throw like 50 something innings a season you don't have to be very good to do that but I, I, you know, so so we. This has not given me more confidence in war. And 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 by the way, I, I it's just a tool, right? And then even war. we had we've mentioned it before, People Sean Foreman, the guy who founded Baseball Reference, said it's just a tool. And I'm not sure that after looking at these numbers, if I'm going to be more or less 
confident. I think it's a little I, less. I, I, I think the issue is that war is a great statistic. It is not an all-encompassing statistic that you can just use as a quick reference guide to determine a player's value. On a very, very surface level, yes, it is. But especially career war is buoyed by so many different factors. And I also want to say that one of the things you have to think about that's interesting is as the level of the game has improved, you'd think it's actually, we're seeing more and more guys able to accumulate high percentages of war. But I think that's in part because of selection bias in that the only guys that stick around in the major leagues long enough to have a long career are guys good enough to accumulate a high war. You don't get the career lifers that just kind of stick around because you need bodies to fill a major league team. They can churn through enough first and second year guys now that if you're not very good, you just don't stay. And and we're measuring this on a an at bat by at bat basis now in a way that never happened before, right? Where you just would say so. So when you know we talked about, I, I I'll just briefly say a Gritch and a Brayu. I I always compare the two from the standpoint of when I watched either of those two players, I never thought I was watching a Hall of Fame player watching them play. And then you look at the advanced stats for both players, and you think, wow, these guys did a lot of things really well that are really important to being a good baseball player. Mm-hmm. And as Eduardo Perez said, it can make you start to change your opinion of what you thought the player was right because the eye test is notoriously unreliable the same way that stat looking at any one stat isn't going to paint the whole picture i think what you need to do is step back and go okay what war will tell you roughly what was this guy in the percentage you need to kind of just look at everything war might give you how good this guy was relative to his peers talking with players from the era might give you the idea that like some guys are just special in that way like maybe their career stats are are somewhat similar to other people's of that era but they'll just say man there was just something different about that guy he always mm-hmm. made the big play when it mattered mm-hmm. um and then you would also look at you know what who were the guys that maybe were not valued properly for what they contributed at the time. A guy like John Olerud, who is not a Hall of Famer, but you would look at and say it was probably a much more valuable player than teams would have given him credit for in the late 90s because of the way he played baseball. People weren't interested in having a first baseman that could hit 330 and only 20 home runs, but 40 doubles. They would much rather have a guy hit 280 with 40 home runs. Yeah, and a, and a 390 or a 380 on base average, which, you right. know, th- these things are much more, you know, scrutinized more today. Valued and play yeah. good defense. So he would yeah. have been a guy that would have been a super, not necessarily a superstar, but he would have been looked at as a hugely valuable player if his, a guy with his skill set was playing today. Yeah, yeah, you know how much I love that player too. So, it, um, I, I, yeah. so I just think that like it's something that when we're looking at with war, I think war is going to fall down because one of the other things that I think is also important is that war is also relative to the players that are all playing at a given point. If so, so you can have weird things that happen. So, if you have a guy that breaks out of at a position one year, and so now you've had this like really fast center fielder, let's say this is more of a hypothetical. You have a really fast center fielder that's just dominating baseball, and the guys are like now looking at that as the prototypical center fielder. And he's like a Byron player. Buxton type player, like a Byron Buxton type player. Somebody that really, you know, okay, better example, um, Otani. Mm-hmm. Otani is going to cause this effect because teams are going to start trying to look for other Otanis. Oh, which yes. Means you're going to see guys come in and try and be Otani and fail 
badly, which is going to jack up the other people that play similar roles war because you're going to have all of these poorly performing (laughs) guys coming in relative to them. They're going to just drag them down, basically. And over a long period of time, over a career, you could see that have an effect on somebody if there was a lack of talent or a growth of talent at a position at a particular position. I'm not sure if Otani is the best comparative, but oh, your Otani, point, but I, I get your type, point. He's more of the type of player I'm referencing. Right, right, because somebody who does those things is such an, uh, uh, a white now, elephant. You can, yeah. Over the next 20 years, you're going to see teams look for that kind of guy and try and cycle him in. And there will be a bunch that don't work, and we'll just yeah. not really remember them. I the guess J.D. Way, Davis is not that guy, huh? The same way we don't remember <laughs> all of the non-Ichiro Suzuki and Hideki Matsui guys that came over, like um, Kaz Matsui, that were just not very good. Right, right, right. But right. no, I think looking at the guys that are coming in, because like next year, it's not a very impressive class aside from one guy. Well, and it's funny because that one guy um, is, is under going to be under scrutiny, and I wonder how much it's going to hurt. And that guy it is? It would be weird. Carlos Beltran. Right. 70 career war, which, well, we're, you know, we just spent about five minutes going on about how war is not a great statistic. But 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 significantly, it's double just about anyway. everybody else who's on the list for, for that the next season. Of, of new people. Correct. Of, of new people getting added to the Hall of Fame next year, realistically, there's only one guy that you're going to talk about and that's going to make it, and that's Beltran. I can't right. see anybody else on that list because I think number two is John Lackey. Yeah, I think so. With a, with a 37 career war, right. which is higher than I would have imagined. Right. Which is which is kind of going into that. If you look at a lot of these guys that are now retiring that are going to be on the Hall of Fame, mount, they have better career wars than you would think. But they are clearly Hall of Very Good guys. John Lackey is like a poster boy pitcher for that. Well, way better than anybody would have expected, especially when he came up in that rookie year on that Angels run. Had a solid career, pitched well for a bunch of teams. Was good never- postseason pitcher. I think he had one year where he was like an actual real Cy Young yep. contender, but yep. I don't think he, he never won one. Nope. I don't think. Nope, he um, didn't. And he was never the best pitcher in any league at any given time. Hall of Very Good. That's exactly where he belongs. And, so, that and, and it's going to be everybody else we name on this list as we go. So so let's 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 whip down the list and and also yeah. Bronson Arroyo who pitched a long time and had the one of the stranger emotions. Now, per- personally, I would circle to put him even in the Hall of Very Good just because I watched that guy get shelled way too many times. Like there was too many seasons where you'd see Bronson Arroyo pitching for the Reds against the Mets. It'd be late August and you'd see ERA of four point three one. I'm like, I don't really think I can include a guy that had that many seasons with that kind of ERA. So so three things about Bronson Arroyo: the hair. Yeah, would be one thing. Number two, he both started and relieved. You you can determine whether or not that was effective or not, but he did both. But but you know what? He was able to go back from doing both because I remember he was a starter, then he became a reliever, then he went back to being a starter and was pretty good at being a starter that second time. And and the other thing I gave up, which I, I don't know that he probably doesn't want to be remembered for this, is he gave up a lot of home runs. Oh, I thought you were going to say the music thing. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That, that that that's even better. You're right. That that's that's something that you know yeah, a real was, baseball fan. He's enough. a musician, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and a good one. Else. And a good and one. A good... But I think when you look at a guy like Arroyo, again, you know he's not a Hall of Famer. I'd be surprised if he stays on the ballot for more than a year. That's going to be okay. the real interesting thing about this. Yeah, because why don't you do that? So we'll go down the list, and we'll both and we'll both say, is anybody going to make it to year two? Besides so Bronson Arroyo, I, I what would you say, Bronson Arroyo? Yeah. That's no, going to be the thing. If we don't think Lackey and Arroyo are going to get yep. there, I don't think anybody else we're about to throw out is about to get there. So Eric Ibar? No. 
Okay. He's, he, he stole some bases, had a nice career average, actually, surprisingly. Probably has a better career than you would think, but, like, right. I can't think of a single, like, oh, man, that was a real good Eric Ibar season. <laughs> so I, I consider myself a baseball fan, but I had to go look up Joaquin Benoit, and, and I could never tell, is it is it Joaquin Benoit or Joaquin Benoit, because there was a basketball player named um, Benoit Benjamin, even though it was spelled, like, Benoit, Benoit. in the French way. I could never understand. So I don't know if it's Joaquin Benoit or Joaquin Benoit, but with a 17.9 career war. And he pitched, obviously, the requisite 10 years. I barely remember this guy. Barely. No, that like, honestly, it's going to be like when Uneski Betancourt comes up for the Hall of Fame <laughs> whenever he inevitably retires because he's hung around in the major leagues for an eternity. And people are going to be like, this guy, he was in the major <laughs> leagues for 10 years. <laughs> And so I, I think this is interesting, a plethora of relievers starting with the letter B. And Joe Blanton, I guess, started a little bit. But here's another guy going to be on the ballot for the first and only time. Yeah, and, and that's what's going to be. is that, and, that's, and that's what I said before we even really started talking about on the list. It's going to be all these reliever type of guys that are just the type of guys that are able to hang around in the major leagues for a long time. So, so Blanton with his 11-9 career um, war did exceed the following guy, Jonathan Broxton, who is now eligible at a snappy 8.7 career war. I, remember, I thought it was better than that. Yeah, I, th- I remember Broxton was supposed to be like a, the guy. He had a 36-save season for the Dodgers back in, you know, I don't know, 92 or something like that. No, not 92. That would be too far back. But, yeah, I was going to um, say. Yeah, yeah, no, in the 2000s. Um, and, and so, you know, and he pitched for Milwaukee, had a couple good seasons there, um, but, but he, I was really I surprised. He was supposed to be like the next big closer, and he just never really right. be, got there because he, he was after Gagne, I want to say. Yes, yes, he, he was, absolutely. And, so and um, go ahead. Gagne is one of those players I just always like talking about because he's such a weird case. Like he's this guy that comes out of nowhere, has this three year stretch where he's the most dominant closer in baseball. I think almost, or does win a Cy Young from the, I, I think position. he almost did win a Cy Young. You're right. And he, he had like second consecutive save thing going on there. So I think, um, what's his name? Brad Lidge strikes me the same way a little bit, you know, and had the Lidge didn't have that unhittable peak. There was that three season peak where I think he had like 55, 62 and 61 saves. And it was just, he was, I remember he, and then he got wrapped up in the steroid thing, kind of similar to a lot of the guys where like he was accused, but it was never really proven. And then after that, he was just never the same player. So everybody just kind of assumed, okay, he stopped taking his steroids and he wasn't the same guy at that point. So um, I'm just mentioning that Mark Burley uh, made the 5.8%. So he stays on the ballot another year, but he was close. Matt Cain is going to be on the ballot, uh, Tim Linsigan's teammate. And if you had to, like, without looking, who had the better career from a total war standpoint, Linsigan or Kane? Kane. It was Kane, yeah. And by a fair margin. Because Kane just pitched for so much longer. Right, right. Um, R.A. Dickey comes on the ballot, and as Met fans, you know, we sort of always Dickey's have a soft spot. retired for 10 years? No, five. Five years. Five oh, years. only five years. Okay. Right. Five years. So, and that's surprising. That he, yeah. Still, okay. That may, I mean, Dickey's a guy that maybe he might be a guy that floats an extra ballot because writers are weird and they like knuckleballers. But probably. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. 23-7 career war. He had that one year, right? So he's year. always going to be looked back and look at his career um, and go, oh, I did that because he came up as a fireballing, you know, guy who hurt his and arm he, and, and reinvented that, himself. That one particular that one particular surgery yep. that uh, they talk about. And he was like yep. the, one of the first guys to get that and still be a player after getting a surgery like that. 
Stephen Drew appears on the ballot for the first time. Oh, um, I remember Stephen yeah, Drew. The, <laughs> the lesser of the two Drew brothers, actually, because J.D. was a better player than him, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, but they were both supposed to be like right. big-time players. I think it was a first-round draft pick, Stephen Drew, or something like that from Arizona. I, 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 I yeah, don't remember. And, and both, neither of them ever really put it together. I, it'd be J- tough to Jacoby say Ellsbury is on the ballot for the first time. What a, what a nice ball player he was, and injuries just robbed him of right. his ability. Ellsbury's the type of guy that would probably be in the Hall of Fame if he was you know, not hurt for basically half of his career and he had a 31 career war in the years he did play right exactly and he lost so many seasons to injury yeah yeah i forgot at the end that he played for the yankees um andre ethier which i'm actually i I, seems like i saw him play last year but i guess he's been out five years he's been out for a while yeah yeah Uh, five years though but yeah he's the kind of guy where you're like not even close it's like matt kemp does elbert does ellsbury make the ballot a second year maybe hmm it's okay, like, so we'll, we'll put him as the only guy so far besides Beltran we think has a chance. Right. Maybe Ellsbury floats an extra year just because people liked him. And how about Jason Grilly? Remember Jason Grilly? Not really. The reliever <laughs> for the Pirates, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do remember him. And uh, yeah, with his 4.6 career war, he's, he will not be appearing again. J.J. Uh, Hardy, who had a real nice start to his career. Um, with a, and ended up with a 28-1 career war and hit a lot of home runs at a, a middle infield position. Was a better player than people remember, but again, all very good because the problem that for a lot of these guys is you're like, look at the shortstops you have to compete against. Right. Right. Like, A-Rod is sitting there. And you're like, A-Rod, maybe because he, you know what, he got caught doing steroids after Major League Baseball outlawed it. So it's a little bit easier to be like, okay, yeah, you you knew what you were doing, buddy. But like, still, if you're going to take a career of that magnitude is not in the Hall of Fame, there's no way J.J. Hardy can be. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I think Hardy won one gold glove and he had, so he did some things at the middle infield position, particularly just, early in his career. He's just a good player. He's just a, yep. he was just a good player. Yep. And how about Aaron Hill? Another guy that surprised me with the amount of power he showed in his career, 162 career home runs. That really surprised me at, at a middle end position. Not not a Hall of Famer, clearly. Um, Second baseman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 a, and a good one. He had some, home, had some years where he hit like 36 homers. Yeah, there was a couple years I remember, for the Blue Jays, right? Yeah, yeah, the Blue Jays and the Diamondbacks. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I remember he had a couple seasons where he was a really big-name player. Absolutely. Um, Ubaldo Jimenez, he of the no-hit fame, correct? Uh, he had one or two. He had that one season where his first half for the Rockies was, like, otherworldly. Right, but he, he, he won't be on the ballot, you figure, another year, even with his 20.4 career war. Um, we mentioned Lackey. Does Lackey hang around a 37.3 war for his career? He'd be the other guy, I think, that has a chance. Okay. Um, a guy that I used to pick on my fantasy team all the time who just killed me, Adam Lind. Um, again, oh. I, I had some really nice seasons, but managed only to accumulate a 12.7 career war, so he had right. to have it's some like, bad like, ones. <laughs> like, exactly. Or, or his good seasons, you probably only remember the one or two good seasons and block out the rest of the nondescript career. And, and war is a strange thing in, in, in terms of you know, a guy like Mike Napoli, who was a, a hitter with power for years at the catcher position um, and, and, and ended up accumulating. And I think really in his case, it is accumulating 26.3 career war. Nice player. That's right, it. Because he's just a guy that hit home runs. So he's going to accumulate war just on the basis of he's in playing, hitting home runs. And the guys that are probably aren't hitting home runs. 
And, and our friend uh, Jim Katz from our fantasy league always likes to call him Jahani Peralta uh, because of the way he spells his first name. And John, Jahani had a 30.4 career war. I have no idea how he did that. Probably a better defender than people gave him. I, I, I hope so. Um, there's a Glenn Perkins, who was a relief pitcher, I think, for the Twins uh, at some point. Um, I, I guess he pitched 10 years. You're right. That's how he's on right. the ballot. So, so here's what I'm saying. These screener guys are clearly not doing – I guess these are the right. guys that – Right. If these are the guys that are on the ballot, I'm questioning how good a job they're doing. I followed that up that, that notion up with Chad Qualls. Ugh. Can you <laughs> Chad Qualls? No, he he had a 5.8 career war, which I believe is the low, might be the lowest. To, no, no, no. The lowest war is Jason Gurley at 4.6 on this first year no, ballot. I'm pretty sure Chad Qualls had one season where he was really good. So yeah, probably it, that that five eight was probably mostly concentrated in like one particular season. He wasn't one of those guys who was like his hand almost touched the ground when he threw it. Right, he came from underneath. Yeah, yeah. Might I think been. he was he definitely came in underneath. So, um, how and how about uh, Met fans' favorite one of the, our favorite relief pitchers? Although Benitez would be our just favorite relief pitcher. Yeah. It would be K Rod Francisco Rodriguez, first year on the ballot. He of the sixty two careers uh, career saves most in the history of the game. What? No, he had a season where he had 62 saves, which is the most for one season. Yes. So, um, yeah, no, he won't get it. No, 24 career war. You know, he had some nice stats, but 437 saves is truly an, an, an accumulative stat that doesn't say anything about how lousy he was at the end of his career. <laughs> right. And he pitched for a long time. I just can't see him getting it. If Wagner isn't going to get in, K-Rod's not going to No it doubt in. about that. Or even Joe Nathan, for that matter, who's now off mm. the ballot. Uh, yeah. Joe didn't make it to the, to the next year. Carlos Ruiz, the old catcher of Cole Hamels oh, uh, and, and Cliff Lee and the Phillies championship teams. It's more um, sad that all these guys had 10 plus seasons. Well, right, right. And that's how you get 22 5 career war. He played enough seasons and, and yeah, put it up just, there. Just, how about Houston numbers. Street? He's he's uh, now eligible for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, another one of those relief pitchers who who's on there. Yeah, it's just all relievers and like backup catchers. But but I've got two more guys, and 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 one of them is uh, Jared Weaver, um, and as kind of interesting because uh, he had a much better career. Again, he p- played a lot of years for the Angels, and so we didn't see him uh, on the East Coast as much. Richard, um, yeah, I think this is more because he had a couple really good seasons, and he was a good pitcher until just his velocity eventually went away. But a thirty-four-six career war is, you know, that's a, a, a probably a better player than I thought he was. I, I didn't realize. And he was I think that that's. Good. I think that's just East Coast West Coast bias. Bias, no, no, no doubt. So we just don't realize how good he was. And this guy, and and you know, I don't know that we'd ever get him on the podcast, but he he just killed the Mets. Jason Worth, um, whether it was on the Phillies or the Nationals, this guy was a thorn in the side, and 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 he also had a nice career, um, not Hall of Fame worthy. No. There's one guy. It's Bellatran. Every yeah. other player will not make the Hall of Fame. I have yeah. no, I have full and complete confidence in saying that. In fact, it would not be surprising if Beltran gets in on maybe a first ballot, and then literally no other guys make it to a second year. Well, I, I, I'm, and, and here's the reason that might not happen, and that could really help some of the other guys on the ballot when you think about it, because um, you're you lost a lot of guys off the ballot, right? You have all these guys that were in their tenth year that fell off, that were sucking up some votes and so now they you can't even throw votes over there so where are those votes going to go uh to the existing players in the list like a scott Rowland? so does he make yes. it next year and because now there's more guys of, that can vote for him it's not going to be any of these players let me tell you okay. that except for beltran 
Yeah, yeah. I think you're right that the two guys, Lackey um, and and maybe are the only two that have any shot at staying on multiple seasons. But but probably not. But probably not. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Cool.